Hello, and thank you for joining us at Dumb and Drummer again. Uh, this is episode 15, and this week we have Jonathan Green, an independent drummer from North Carolina. How's it going, sir? It's going great. How are you guys? Doing pretty good. It's a nice Saturday uh, morning for me, uh, afternoon for you. Yeah, happy Juneteenth. I don't oh, mean yeah, to bring Juneteenth. that in there, but it is now a federal holiday, so I guess I can... It's not political. It's apolitical now, so... Yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, real quick, for people that don't know who you are, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Um, I am Jonathan Green. I play drums. I teach drums. And I am a delinquent YouTuber. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I play a lot around town. I've played several styles of music. I play mostly jazz fusion um, I play in dance bands and basically anything else that people need me to. Um, and I'm also like moonlighting as a photographer, even though I'm really, really new at it. Hey, you got to start somewhere. That's awesome, though. What kind uh, of camera you got? So this is a Fuji X-T4, and I'm really uh, happy with this because it's just been a super long road. I started in the Canon landscape, but COVID forced us all online, and <laughs> the old Canons have an auto shutoff. So I knew that they wouldn't work for me. So I basically traded both because I had two cameras. I traded both of my cameras in for this guy. And it's just been a blast to work with. Nice. I can already tell it's a nice camera because it looks all crisp. And then you're perfectly crisp and everything around you has that slight, like it, 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 you can just tell it's a nice camera just by the like, Zoom meeting. Right. Yeah. And it's like, I, I promise you i wasn't trying to stunt on you guys this is just <laughs> how i teach so this was here this was here when i got here i promise yeah i just got a crappy macbook camera i mean i i was like i, I have a ring light on my camera and it like zooms and stuff and i'm like oh man this is going to be a great upgrade and it does look better but that's the thing about cameras and i think we, we were talking about that a little bit before too is that like you there's always somebody who seems to have a better camera image you know Absolutely. And none of that stuff matters unless, I mean, if it's quality content, it's quality content, right? Yeah. So, and I feel like for me, I got stuck in the weeds with aesthetic for so long that, I mean, now I'm sort of settled, but I shouldn't have been paying attention to it as much. So uh, okay. let's, uh, let's just jump into the questions then. Uh, tell us a bit about what you're working on right now. But Kurt, what so, projects are you currently doing? So my biggest focus is my delinquent YouTube channel, Dramosophy, which I took a little bit of a break on it because I feel like social media is the best and worst thing that's ever happened to us simultaneously. Um, and I just got tired of the pressure of having feeling like I had to create content and not feeling like I had something to say. If I'm going to create something that has my name and my face on it, I want to believe in it and I want to believe in everything that I'm saying, not just spit out something just to feed the algorithm. So I, ste I stepped back from it for a while for a while, and now I'm kind of about to try to hit it fairly hard, at least with some quality videos that I can look back on and really be proud of. Right um, I have an improvisation band project um called vintage astronaut and all of the music is improvised oh, wow. all of it it's like this like like a lot of people have done that like avishai cohen has done it and um we just get together and we play in a room 
uh, we listen, we try to like remember parts and basically make something make sense from starting from nothing every single time. Everything that we do isn't usable, but sometimes it is. And so we have cool. records that can be found at vintageastronaut.com. I'm sorry, I guess it's okay for me to plug, right? That's why I'm no, here. Of course. Absolutely. Plug away. Cool. And uh, my band, uh, my fusion band, Anamika, I always spell this wrong. So it's A-N-A-M-I-K-A. Um, it's Sanskrit for one with no name because we couldn't figure out a name for the band. I, um, I actually have a funny story about someone with that name, Anamika. I'd love to hear it. Uh, I, okay, real quick story. So I'm at a bar. I see a bartender. I think she's cute. Uh, I, uh, what was it? I forget. I was trying to, I, uh, I asked her for her number and she shot me down and then I saw the A on her back and I was like, what it's saying for? And she's like, it's my name. And I said, I'll make you a deal. If I can guess your name, will you give me your number? And she said, okay. So, um, I waited till she went in the back and I asked another bartender, Hey, what's her name? Ah. Ah. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> she never answered my call. It's okay. <laughs> ah. Because, like, okay, so did you do it on the first try, or did you pretend to guess first? Oh no, I I made a few dumb guesses first. Okay, yeah, I didn't. Yeah, I went. I, I um, because uh, what is every time I'd go up to order a beer, she'd give me three guesses, and I did two. I went up twice, intentionally bombing every time, and then the third time I went up, I got it on the second guess. And she she seemed to get it, and I'm sure that once I left or she conferred with a coworker, he was like, "So he asked me your name." <laughs> <laughs> so Man, yeah, really that's, my, that's my story of knowing an, as someone named Anamika. She really did not want to go out with you, bro. <laughs> Apparently not. Well, maybe she didn't. Maybe she didn't want to go out with a liar. <laughs> or or or, may, or you maybe you know what? That's not a that is that is a valid point. Maybe she liked girls only too. I mean, there there could be a, there could be a lot of a lot, a lot, a lot she of. She have a number of reasons. It was just it was just the and it was just pl- more playful than anything. She was having fun with it too. It was just it was. I totally took the sneaky route and just asked someone her name. I mean, Fair I, enough. I appreciate the hustle, but yeah. So the uh, so improv improvisation bands. I have a question on that. Um, how, how do you how do you book gigs? Like because I know for. Like my band locally, our genre is not really as easily digestible for a lot of people. So, like you being, are there other improv bands you can get on a bill with, or venues that are more improv friendly? So, so even though we're an improv band, we do have a style, and that style meets kind of where we all are, which is this is like electronic jazz type of thing. So, um, and and a little bit of hip hop too. We do really well, like with festival stuff, like that type of thing, um, because basically, like we're kind of a jam band if you want to look at it kind of that way. Mm-hmm. So we kind of fit in that vibe, and those guys just want to dance and have a good time. And so anything that sounds good, anything that has a good vibe, they're down for. I'm lucky. Winston Salem is an arts town. Okay. So we we tend to get gigs because they're looking for weird or they're looking for expressive. And the Arts Council seems to be fairly um, encouraging to, like, art here. So okay, we can't get, like, dinner gigs or, you know, pop gigs, but we, we do okay. That's rad. Good. Good. 
Uh, so you have a very unique approach to working on odd subdivisions like five, seven, and nine. Uh, tell us more on the motivation for that. Motivation. Um, okay. So I feel like that type of thing is just an extension of my personality. I tend to get kind of techie or uh, deconstructive with things that I'm interested in anyway. And so kind of getting lost in the weeds and the particulars of whatever I'm interested in, I think that you would find like, oh, the inner workings of music or timing, and you have to learn subdivisions to really understand that. And so, um, and anything that was intellectual sounding or complicated or things that I didn't understand when I was younger, I gravitated to. So uh, when I discovered like Vinny, for instance, which is a lot of our gateways to that type of thing, um, I think that really opened the door for me. I had this approach of, okay, I'm, I'm going to listen to a person's music, but I'm also going to figure out who that person's teachers were. I'm going to figure out what books they went through and all of these things. And studying about Vinny took me to the Gary Chafee books, uh, Sticking Patterns, Time Functioning Patterns, um, rhythm, and meter pa- rhythm and Meter Patterns, and Technique Patterns. Um, and they, specifically Sticking Patterns and uh, Rhythm and Meter Patterns, are subdivision books at their heart. And if you don't understand that, then you really can't make it through the material. I got stuck at certain parts of those books, and I realized that those ideas were so different. Like, no one was playing that way. I think the only person that I could think that was playing that way that I could think of at the time was Vinny on things like Joe's Garage, um, Shut Up and Play Your Guitar, and and those records. And I really gravitated towards that style of playing early on in my in my playing career wow that's like uh m- most people don't start with uh frank zappa and and, <laughs> and vinnie caliuta when they first start they start with like paradiddles and double stroke roll and stuff like that so that's that's a really interesting well, um, well not when i first started you know early on i was um I, I was i was telling brett that um I, fusion is my heart like I am a fusion drummer sort of through and through. And my dad had me play or, or listen to Herbie and Chick and Mahavishnu Orchestra and all this stuff. I was listening to this stuff when I was little before I was playing drums. So I was already kind of, I was already kind of primed towards that. And I think that once I learned my rudiments, which you know, I did learn my rudiments first. Let's let's be fair. Um no, I really just wanted to tackle the difficult stuff because I thought it was interesting and, and it was unlike anything that I'd heard other drummers play. Okay, that's fair. It, it, like you were saying, though, you, you, you had been listening to that for a while before you played drums, so you already kind of had an ear for it. Yeah, it am I right? Like you, uh, I mean, I think it just gave me an ear for weird. You know, okay. uh, you know, it's like because I don't want to give my past self too much credit. It's not like I knew what I was listening to. I right. just knew that what I was listening to was different than okay. what was on the radio. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Right on. Very cool. Uh, so are you uh, we already talked about some of the bands you're currently playing with. You said uh, Anamika and that's the okay. uh, that's the uh, uh, improv band. No, so we're a fusion band, a and fusion we're band. working on we're working on our first single actually. But oh, um, very cool. So I have been 
playing the same place in Winston for in Winston Salem, which I where I live, for six years adjusting for COVID. Um, and that band has seen a couple of different members, but me and the bass player have always had that band. The guitar player that we have, um, Matt Sickles, which is oh my gosh, he's just phenomenal. Um, he came in and we were like, okay, we've been doing this kind of like, we're going to do covers, but we're going to do fusion versions of covers. Um, we did a video of a cover of a, a Dave Matthews band, uh, Gray Street. Okay. That's out there. In, that's out there in the world. Right on. Um, but we're like, look, we were all, we've all done the cover thing, even though we're trying to push the envelope here, we should really start working on originals. So that's what we're doing at the moment. Nice. Very cool. Um, just a real quick question. What, what, what is the music scene typically like? What, what are the genres that are typically like dominant in your area? Like what are jazz? There are a lot of jazz sessions. There are a lot of country sessions. Um, and there are a lot of like top 40. So those three things, there's not a lot of hip hop in our area. There's more in towns over and about an hour out. But again, a lot of jazz, a lot of like dance and a lot of country, Southern rock. Makes sense. Uh, so uh, you said that, you're, uh, that the, your fusion band is working on this single. Is there anything else work you're working on right now? Uh, anything else that you're looking for release in the future? Um, yeah. So there is uh, there are a couple of releases. Um, Billy Cardine, who is a, I don't, I forget. It's one of those lap string instruments, um, but he spent some time in India and it's like Indian funk fusion. Hmm. Uh, we recorded that during COVID. Um, that should be out fairly soon. Um, but yeah, I mean, mostly what I do is teach. So I'm always just trying to get better at that. And, um, and I'm trying to do more, my YouTube channel is called Dramosophy, and I'm really trying to pour more energy towards towards that. Right on. Okay. Uh, so you've posted a lot about recording and not spending a lot, and your videos sound great. So do you have any tips and tricks that you can share? I apologize. I just realized I never answered the question about subdivisions. You asked me where I... Ah. This reminds me of... Uh... trailed off. This reminds me of a, a great comedian, Jim Jeffries, who will uh, start a story and then go off on like a ten minute tangent, and then his and then he'll throw back to the story. <laughs> Talk about being lactose intolerant. And yeah, I I, I do eat. that regularly because of my ADHD. I'll start on one. I love it. And, and I then love it. Takes it. off on five different subjects before I realize <laughs> I need to wrap somehow oh, yeah. bring this in full circle. Like he'll, he'll, he was literally saying, if a scoop, uh, he'll he can eat a scoop of ice cream at the end of a meal because he'll then he'll shit everything out. <laughs> but but, that, but then he goes into a whole tangent on like gun control or something, and then he'll go back <laughs> and, he's, and he's like, okay, so I'm about to eat the ice cream, and the, and the crowd, the, the, the crowd just busts out laughing, you know, because they're like, it, it's it's entertaining. So yeah, but, yeah. but please, I, I do want to know about the subdivision. Well, you, you kind of answered it. You said Joe well, Garage. Shut up, yeah. your guitar. That's what got you kind of on that path, right? Yeah. Um, there, there was just more to that story, and is you. This is your show. Uh, I'm just saying, like, I just, I felt like 
I maybe I didn't answer the spirit of that question. <laughs> you know, you know, like what am I doing right now? I remember like the the questions that I got. Like you have an interesting approach to like five, seven, and nine. What do yeah. you do to to work on those things? And that is the question that I actually never answered. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so so again, we can go in another direction if you want. It is your show. I just wanted to say, oh, are we going to put a pin in that and come back to it, or we can be done? finish on the subdivisions and then we'll we'll go back to the recording thing cool um there is a a group of rhythms that i have compiled that are in no way my own that i call uh, my rhythmic cheat sheet and there are maybe 13 or 14 and they're not at all comprehensive i chose purposefully to limit the amount of rhythms that I would learn per like, like grouping. So if I'm going from like three note groups, four note groups, five note groups, six, seven, all the way up to like 15 or whatever, uh, my job, my, my goal wasn't to get perfect mastery with every single inversion and every single note placement in every subdivision or with every note grouping. I wanted to have like one or two in my soul. Hmm. And so what it, what it ended up doing is it created a reference for me. Okay. So when you think nine, like, what do you think? Do you think, uh, <laughs> so that is one, two, one, two, one, two, one, two, three, one, two, one, two, one, two, one, two, three, right? Mm -hmm. um, that is a fairly popular nine rhythm. Um, mine is a grouping of four and a grouping of five. Mm -hmm. So I'll go uh, one, two, three, four, one, two, all right, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, five, one, right? Mm -hmm. And I've been playing that same nine note pattern for like four or five, five years. But anytime that I hear um, that interaction, how that cycles over four or any other subdivision, it sticks out to me like a sore thumb because I have a reference for it in my mind, right? So anytime that you hear in a movie, don't, 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 like it's so easily um, identifiable as seven because we hear it so much. My yeah. job was to prime myself with like um, raw like references so that I knew, okay, if something is 13, I actually have an experiential connection to 13 that's baked into my soul that is unmistakable for anything else. That was my first job, okay. right? My second job, I, is, which is still ongoing, I want to take every single one of those groupings and play them in all of those subdivisions. Yeah. Right? And so, so let's take that nine thing that I was doing a second ago, that one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, five, that thing, that group of four and, and five. I want to be able to play that in septuplets. I want to be able to play that in 11 tuplets or whatever, it, because it's, it's not the nine. I know the nine, like by heart. Like I'm never going to not know it because I've worked on it for so much. It, the only thing that I have to worry about is this new subdivision. Yeah. Right. And so that's sort of my approach. I'm limiting the amount of the, the shape of the groupings in order to give myself uh, a reference that I will never forget. And I can and 
and over the long term, I'm making sure that I can play each one of those specific grouping patterns in every subdivision I know. Like you, you, I understand the the concept of uh, or the, the 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 advantages of taking nine or seven and breaking it down into different subdivisions and be able to play it because that's a mind job. A lot of people like for seven is two two three. Sure, that, that's 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 their default. But if you say, well, why don't you go two three two? Then right. Like, okay. Well, that's difficult, or a three two two, or something, or whatever. But the uh, but but playing it in quintuplets, mm-hmm. that now that that's a whole nother that's a whole nother uh, can of worms. Like I don't even know. Well, it's not. Um, it's it's not, and I can show you how it's not if you give me a second. Okay. All right. So, um, pardon me. I'm gonna change something real fast. There we go. Um, <laughs> Damn, this dude is ready. Right. Um, so let's see that, um, let's say that you have, um, we take it for granted that we can just do this and like play like other rhythms uh, like against it. What would happen if you learned other ostinatos to that respect? If you, if you got five to the point where you could as easily dismiss it as like straight eighth notes. Right. So you're basically baking this uh, muscle memory thing into your body, but just like in in every way that you've always done. But you're spending the time and making sure that you can do it in five. Right. So you have this thing happening over here. Well, here's like my nine from earlier. So that's uh, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, five. And so if you put them all together, and pardon me, I'm going to change sound so you could hear it a little bit more clearly. Okay. Uh, uh, let me use my snare drum. can do that is that this guy knows five so well right it's one of those things where i've done it so much that i don't actively have to engage my brain to constantly keep up with every single little bit of information over here right like when we're playing eighth notes we know when something gets wrong and is disjointed um the only other thing that i might be able to say is is like if the the hand doesn't want to do that nine thing Play that five and sing the nine. Right? Oh, oh, I. So you're not. You know, this isn't a. This isn't a quintuplet. It's just a group. It's just a five over. Not, nine. This is yeah. This is subdivisionally agnostic. Okay, cool. I could be playing cool. in. I could be playing in sixteenth notes for all you know. Yeah. Right, and just having those those two groupings happen concurrently. I always like seeing that stuff transcribed too, because if you have two layers, mm-hmm. then you see the group of five in the measure of nine and you'll see it slightly move and then right. also uh every like 17 and three quarter bars it'll hit again the pattern right. restart and that's like a mind job for me but like here's what we're not talking about too is the practical application of that because there are brainiacs like you that can take this stuff and, and they understand it and they can apply it and everything like that to their own playing to mm-hmm. you know noodling or or you know if you wrote music you could apply it but like the the million dollar question is how do you apply a concept this advanced to actual like mainstream music like hey i'm gonna go track a record or i'm gonna play a gig and it's not an improv band 
you know, five over nine or something like, uh, that's cool that you can do that, but we just need like a backbeat on this song. So then maybe I'm an artist, maybe I'm an artist advocate then, because it's one of those things where sure, I may not be able to, um, put this in a dance situation, even though I have without anyone ever knowing or calling <laughs> me out for it because the you ride can, pattern. Yeah. Because, yeah, exactly. You can do yeah. things and not be obnoxious. Like it's oftentimes it's like, when is it done? Is it done in a point where that tension makes sense? Mm-hmm. Right. So it can operate at, like in a fill capacity, not to uh, obscure the groove. Um, and so mo- moments of heightened tension, the end of a bridge into the last chorus or outros that get like sufficiently intense. Mm-hmm. Like there are there are always places that you can disguise this stuff, playing that and making sure that you can play the actual groove under it. Right. I've never gotten uh, flack for changing my ride cymbal pattern, but keeping the kick drum player, a kick drum, sorry, locked in with the bass player, say. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. where this detracts from the music um, where you're not addressing the things in the songs that you need to address that that seems to be the problem. And from and for younger people uh, or people that aren't as experienced with trying to ride that line, they it, you have to use some discretion. Right. There's always a space for it if you're careful and you honor the song first. Well, there's yeah. And, and that's that's a great point. Also, for soloing, you also have a, a whole different vocabulary for when you when you want to play a solo, because I'm sure that stuff comes out. Oh, absolutely. Linear patterns. It's like some crazy shit. And that and that as drummers, I know we can hear. And most of us are like, what the hell was that? You know, right. you know, like Matt Garska does that a lot where, you know, he'll he'll play something, but he'll 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 nail the beat one. And so he knows he knows how many notes are fitting in that group and he knows how much time he has, but he still nails that one. And that's what makes me think, what the fuck? Like, that was amazing. But it's sure. like and Brett, I, Brett and I talked about this a while ago, too. Like, and I think in one of the first podcasts it was like felt like you were getting away from the beat and then all of a sudden you were back on. That's a cool feeling. Sure. It is. It's it's all about that tension and release, right? You you kind of you feel it and you feel that disconnect. And then when the magic one happens, all of that is released in this like bodygasm mm-hmm. that is like, oh my and if when it's done right, it can give you chills. Yeah. I, I like you know? how you describe that. Like it's tension and release. That's a, like like what, what he was saying, when it feels like it's slightly going off, there's that tension there, it's like about to fall off the rails and then it lines back up and you're like, ah. Yep, I, mean, I feel that's like a, that's, that's a good way of putting that. Every every time I listen to the keyboard solo from uh, Lingus by Snarky Puppy, I'm just like, I, and everybody else is even the bandmates and stuff are like falling apart while while that while that dude is playing that keyboard solo. But it's just like talk about tension and release. I mean that I mean that's like a master class and that sort of thing. But that's that that's neither here nor there, I guess, because it's it's not it's not drums. But yeah. That's yeah, a- no, it's not. It's I disagree. Like because if if there was another break in the conversation, I was going to talk about the parallels with harmony. Like no one ever is like, okay, if you're playing a mainstream gig, how are we going to fit that tritone in there? Right, fitting a tritone in in something for its own sake is not even the right like framing of that. It's like, what does it do? Like if you're yeah. if you have a two five or whatever, you're pushing towards that resolution in a very similar way as we do with uh, rhythmic tensions like that. So I think those two things are completely analogous. Okay, cool, cool. I'm happy to be wrong. No, you're no, no, you're right. No, you're, no like you're lingus. It's it, like you're right, and you're almost like 
No, own it, dude. That's a great analogy. The Lingus analogy is a fantastic analogy for this stuff. I'm saying well, you're right. Oh, I, I agree. <laughs> yeah, if yeah, I, I I'm happy to be right. Uh, happy to be wrong about. I mean, like m- music to me is so fluid that it's just like I, I'm always learning. But yeah, I I would say that Snarky Puppy just uh, in general. I mean, not even the keyboard player like Larnell. I mean, like of course, but just everybody like everybody in the band's bringing such a high level of musicianship and I, I do I do love their videos because everybody's sitting around with the headphones on. So everybody's right. experiencing what they're experiencing and, and and it's not like there's the stage, you are going to be in the crowd, you cannot go on the stage, you cannot interact. There's you know, very there's the dichotomies there and, and they're just bridging all that into one. Pretty yeah, cool. it's like they created a uh almost a not a virtual reality, but like a much more immersive environment for that. Yeah. Immersive is the perfect word. Yep. Yep. Tight. So you want to round this back up to that question we asked before we <laughs> back around three times? <laughs> can you can you can you answer the questions that we were asking, please? <laughs> <laughs> I am I am notoriously known for not doing that. Um, I, I, no, I, bet, I bet you're good at job interviews, though. So I haven't been on a job interviewing God knows how long. I am I am I am deceptively good at public speaking because my parents did me a service, even though if people may not think of it like that. They shoved me in public at an early age. That's the okay. one thing about church. If you are in the choir, if you do play, if you do plays, all of that stuff from a young age, you learn to project. You learn how to communicate, and it's something that is not as stressful whenever you have to do it in more an official capacity. And I am really grateful for them uh, for putting me in that situation when I was young. Nice. But you hated it when you were young. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. But now I'm a ham, and anybody that calls me out for doing it, I just have to I'm just blame my parents. Just call Joan and <laughs> Sam and blame them. <laughs> So, uh, like we said earlier, uh, you talk about recording and not spending a lot. So, do you have any like tips or tricks on that? Um, do as I say, not as not as I do, um, <laughs> because it's been a journey for me for sure. Uh, when I started out, I had my dad's equipment to play with, mm-hmm. but you know, when I branched out on my own, I had a couple of uh, SM50. No, when I branched out on my own, I had like the original Shure PG. Uh, microphone kit, mm-hmm. right? Like seven microphones for $300, which is I have the same exact insane. One. Right. Which they sound great. And I really wish I would have known that any um, thing that I didn't like from the sound that I was getting was my fault, not the microphone's fault. Ah, okay. Okay. Right. It's, it's like, you know, you see shiny here. Like I have these wonderful acquisitions that I've gotten over the years. Um, most of the time for much cheaper than I should have. Mm-hmm. And and I think, oh, these things are wonderful without understanding that my ear has grown with my gear. And sometimes I can't separate that, like, because I'm I'm me. I'm in that experientially. So whenever I was talking about the cheap microphones, it was as much an experiment for me to see how much my ear has grown by purposefully limiting myself to even cheaper stuff than I had when I first started. Okay. Gotcha. And you and it can be done for you to to, to use use uh, to get something good out of what little you had. 
Right. Because I started doing this with my cell phone, like everyone else. And I know it doesn't look like it, but no, like, or I'm sorry, before cell phones were as good as they are now, I was doing it from my laptop with like old crappy, like 2012 crunchy laptop audio. But I would (laughs) record my drums like with that stereo channel, dump it into GarageBand and try to mix it against those professional like mastered loops that were in there. And that was really, really um, telling for how much like I actually did need. The low end just isn't um, present there, but you have to do what you can. You don't have a choice. Yeah, that's 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 crazy um, to to hear people's stories on what they first recorded with because I think the first drum recording I was actually lucky, and I used a uh, Zoom Q2N. Oh, nice! Which, which is a ninety nine dollar um, video and audio in one. Um, but there's a lot of people that I mean, if you're listening to headphones and they put their video on Instagram, like R.I.P. your eardrums because I, you're just gonna get crushed. Um, but that's that's all they have. Right. So I mean I, I I can't hate on that, but it's like I wish that everyone had some sort of entry level recording equipment from the beginning, so they don't have to have that story that we all have of I was using absolute shit, and then I yeah, and I and I, I recorded with my with my cell phones too, and and I remember when I switched from the Zoom to my cell phone, how much better the video was, and then cell phone to GoPro, I was like oh my god, this is revolutionary. And then GoPro to DSLR, I was like, well, I've been just been doing it wrong. So I think it's the same thing for microphones. You're just like, why can't I just have what I have now back when I started? And it's like, that's almost no one's experience. Like, you have to start with the shit, and then you get better equipment later on. You and know? you know what I noticed from those few people that can just afford the very expensive equipment out the gate? They don't know how to use it, and they end up not using it. It sits yeah. there and collects dust. Yep. Because they, you, because the only reason you know how to use a super expansive DAW is because you started in GarageBand, and you worked your way up slowly. Oh, the slightly more complicated as you went along, slightly better gear, figuring out how microphones work. But you start off buying, you know, a thousand dollar micro. Each microphone's a thousand dollars. You you have all this fancy equipment. You don't know how to use it. Yeah. You don't appreciate it. You don't know how to use it. You didn't have to do any of the grind. And that's what I notice when I see kids buy. So, you know, their first guitar is a $3,000 guitar. Their first drum set is an $8,000 drum set. Mm-hmm. It, they're all about it for a month, and then that thing collects dust. Yeah. My first camera was this tiny little pink um, camera with the, uh, the cheap, what was it, like a 110-millimeter film? That mm-hmm. would come in like a block that you would just like stick straight in. Oh, and like it had Close. like two bulbs at the yeah, end. It was like that's circular flat. Yep. Yeah, that was my first camera. I be- I believe same, if not for one of my first cameras. Oh, mm-hmm. just to take pictures or? Yeah, just to take pictures. Okay. My first okay. uh, digital camera was this little like, t- like ten pixel like Fuji fixed lens like thing that you could get from Walmart or whatever. Yep. Wow. My first cameras were for trying to record uh, skate videos. Okay. So I, I had a bunch of I went through a bunch of crappy cheap video cameras. Still don't know crap about cameras, but <laughs> yeah, it's uh, for 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 me too. It was like uh, uh, you know you got the videography and then you have the the sound engineering, and, and it's very rare that people are are good at both. Usually, it's like hey, you have a DSLR and your video looks amazing, but the 
but to your point earlier, it's not really quality content for whatever reason. It's maybe a little bit about what you're playing, maybe how it sounds. Maybe you have a great camera, uh, but the camera itself doesn't have good audio or used audio from your phone or something, and it's just like not... I just can't engage with it. So I think that's that's at the end of the day. Like I want to be able to engage with whatever someone's posting. I don't really care about likes and views anymore. I want to I want to engage. It's just like what is preventing me from engaging and sometimes that's the way it sounds or the way it looks, unfortunately. And and that feeling of ne- thinking that you need something else is one of the biggest thing that keeps people from actually getting to that point, getting to the point where I just want to create something that I find meaningful. I have so many friends that are like, man, your stuff looks so good and I want to get there, but I don't have anything. And I'm like, dude, you have a phone. Get started right now. That's how I started. Like, forget what I look like. Forget what I sound like. Forget what I do. Just start. Just make something. Yeah. And also, like, you have to get your workflow down. So, you know, if you have five dollar equipment or five thousand dollar equipment you still have to edit the video you yep. still have to know how to get it on your phone to get it on social media if you want to add like hashtags or you want to build a following or whatever you can't just wait until everything's perfect and be like well now that everything's ideal and optimal that now i'm going to pull the trigger on all this stuff like you're not going to know what the fuck like to brett's point you're not going to know what the fuck to do you're not going to know what plugins to use for the microphones you're not going to know how to edit the audio in your daw there's just so much you're not going to know so, so like I'm, I'm always getting ready. Like I'm ready for Earthworks microphones and sure DSLRs with three different lenses and and you know all that kind of shit. But right now, I mean, I'm I'm working with my Samsons and yeah, I'm yeah. working with cheap shit and 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 my tones sound the best they ever have. Like they always- it amazes me. It amazes me how many people don't watch the used market, and I think that there is like a apprehension for getting like a, a like a dud or something like that. But usually these days, like websites are so protective of their reputations that they there is some sort of insurance that you're going to get what you paid for yeah um, and so whenever i buy stuff i live on the used used market right these pair of oh, yeah. this pair of earthworks um which is like seventeen hundred dollars um usually this the set of earthworks i have mm-hmm. i got for a grand nice right like there is very little that I paid full price in the studio for. It was just like, okay, can I afford it? Can I not afford it? Am I going to kick myself if I don't get this because the deal is that stupid? That, right? I do the same thing. Well, I think we've all been there. Where we're like, shit. There's either something that, we, that we, we, sell, we sold that we didn't want to sell that we give anything to have back or mm-hmm. that deal that we saw and we're like, eh, I don't want to pull the trigger and now we still regret not pulling the trigger on it. So that, that's, that's a huge, that's almost 50, that's almost 50% off. Yeah. That's yeah like, okay. One of my favorite acquisitions um, of COVID was a Sennheiser 421 because it's everywhere. And I was like, okay, uh, sure, why not? I know I have microphones, but now that everyone is coming to the space, I don't have microphones for everyone. So I'd like a solid guitar mic if I'm going to, because we, li- we live streamed during COVID quite a bit. Um, all that stuff is on my Facebook, by the way. Um, I didn't think that there was a viable way to do like a multicam just to let you guys know. Um, me and my wife live in a house, um, that we share with my roommate and his two kids. So like costs is, is kind of relegated, like dispersed, but he, I've known him since 2004. We've known each other for a long time. He's a sound engineer. Oh, sick. (laughs) 
just just to let you know. So um, he would run sound and camera angles from his bedroom um, because he, we, we were all on like the Wi-Fi network. And while we were in here, my bandmates, Anamika, were in here like just playing. And That's we would just live stream uh, multicam, like fully mixed audio out. That's, That's awesome. awesome. Very cool. Really cool. Uh, but that, I mean, it didn't start that way as like to your point. So, but now there, there are apps that can tether iPhones together in a very similar way. Yeah. I knew a band that was using, uh, I don't know if they ever implemented it uh, live, but I know for their rehearsals, they were using their iPhones as their monitor system. Yep. Yeah. That my, my, my buddy has a Bluetooth uh, wireless mixer in the practice space, and everybody can, everybody has faders on their phone through an app, and they can control the, uh, the, the levels during rehearsal. Uh, they can all, all have their own headphone buses, and it's all... Uh, wireless, so there, there's definitely a rabbit hole. I, I, I love gear; it is it is intimidating, um, but the return, man. Once once you have the stuff dialed in and it's reliable, and you have your presets, and you you know it's just like the quality of like we haven't had any guests. I mean, there's maybe one other person that had video quality as good as you, but no one has ever done a multi-angle through Zoom. So just the fact that you can do that, I mean, it's it's subtle. You just uh, you just played a pattern, over, but having the freedom to be able to do that is, is yeah. right. But, we're, but we're, I'm sorry. I was gonna say, whereas we'd have to be like, hold on, let me let me let me get to the yeah, yeah. Side. Let me let me just lift up my yeah yeah. Okay. I'm trying to get my camera in fo- like for some reason the fo- my lighting is off. I got to choose another place, but like shit like that. Like I'm trying to get my camera to focus reliably. Right. And here you are doing multiple angles. <laughs> but That's- so I I've been a professional drum instructor for about twelve years. COVID changed everything. I had to like leave uh, the music store that I had a studio in for like five years. But I ended up taking, because, you know, you're paying studio rent, you know, hundreds of dollars a month um, to have that space. And I just decided, it's like, look, uh, if I can retain most of my students during COVID, I can justify this. I can justify yeah. a switcher. I can justify an additional camera. Um, and, and try to make teaching online as immersive as I can. So, so they can see everything. They can see my, the close up on my hands and what my hands look like. They have, um, an overall view of the drum set that they can do. So this is like my professional rig. This is what stays connected to my computer. Like I only take my main camera out when I do fun stuff, but all of this stuff is like my business. This is what I do for a living. That's awesome. That's amazing. Yeah. And, and, and having that dedicated space, it's like everything is sacred and that's that. And and you've worked your ass off from what it sounds like to get everything to where it is now, which is, which is fantastic. Yeah. So when you you don't have to pay the that hundreds of dollars a month and you look at the the sheet going forward and it's like okay cool I can eat that like I can like go out to dinner more or yeah. I can reinvest that that uh, expense back into making this better. Like I, I I was talking to my bandmates about this too. We were talking about uh, getting everybody having individual headphone mixes through the back of my interface because I found out on the Scarlet eighteen i twenty that you have two headphone outs. But then there's four more on the back. Yep. So if people want to have their own, you just get a little adapter over. So people want to have their own thing. And then there's a, a like a controller that you download where everybody can have their own headphone mix. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, well, 
why don't we just mic up the guitars and I'll bring everything into my DAW and then when we do teasers we can mix it and then we're like well let's get some more lights let's get scissor arms and let's mount those and then let's get GoPro adapters and oh you have GoPros so we'll bring in GoPros and stuff like that and the quality of the content has gone up like I would probably say three or four times from the first teasers that we made but the whole process is fun like yeah. it's not even really about posting it it's about it's about just like fucking around with different yep. options you know what I mean and that's 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 what I love about being a musician too is that like we have options. It's not Absolutely. about the end result. It's about like staying in the moment. Like I want to, because I'm sure you have other shit that you want to do. There's oh, absolutely. More, more, more camera angles or different camera angles or different equipment or different mics or different drums or different artists or different, you know, places to record. There's yeah. endless. I, I've done that. Like uh, I did my first um, setup for a live, like a worldwide uh, live stream this like in january for another person's podcast Mm -hmm. where uh, we were a guest on that one of the guests because it was like a conference type of thing but like i brought all my cameras i bought my switcher and like when we weren't presenting i was behind the cameras and like making sure that um everybody could see that and then at the end of it delivered like the show like the whole thing so they could post it like as content to their socials and i've done so, like other shoots for people so no like all of the stuff you're right all of the stuff does translate outside if you can see yourself beyond the drums if you can see yourself beyond why you did it um you can get more utility out of it hell yeah I like that philosophy with it. Yeah, learning how to use you, like because I know a lot of people like I for some I, I know a lot of drummers that ended up doing photography or videography because they started filming themselves, filming stuff, and then they ended up finding another passion in videography or uh, photography. Oh, dude! Like playing in wedding bands for the past decade, I'd say a full third, maybe a fourth of the people, the photographers that I talked to, were musicians. Hmm. See, there you go. Uh, so on that about gear and cameras and such like that, what, uh, what are two pieces of gear that you can't live without? Ooh, Ooh, I knew this question was coming. (sighs) Only two. I know. So, so when you say gear, like, are you talking, because you can't talk computer, right? Because that's like not even a piece of drum gear okay. like who can give, exist without a computer scenario you're 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 you have to fly to a gig there's going to be a simple just uh backline kit there nothing mm-hmm. fancy what do you what do you need for that gig but just two things oh, okay um i'm bringing if yeah simple backline gig i'm bringing my snare drum okay. um which I guess is a great pivot for a one thing that we haven't talked about, which is endorsements. Um, I'm bringing my snare drum and I'm bringing the cymbal. It's not actually on my drum set right now, but I will, you know what? I'll, this guy. Is it a ride? Yes. Yeah. So, so this ride and my, my snare drum, I think are the ones that I would take. Okay. Um, And just because this is my, it can do all things ride. Mm-hmm. right it doesn't matter how quiet or how loud it doesn't matter how washy or defined like i feel like this ride can get it done mm-hmm. this is my uh because i am endorsed by or i endorse depending on your philosophy on that thing uh istanbul mamet mm-hmm. uh, so this is a kirkor k this is one of the first ones that i got from them and it is just lovely it, it sounds fantastic another 
thing I don't have right on me because I didn't know how this question was going to go. Um, Reverie Drums, which is in my town. Let me kind of talk about how wonderful it is to have a relationship with whoever makes your instruments. Oh my God. Like, <laughs> I, 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 can, I can imagine, but I mean, I've never had the pleasure. So, so, so to, to juxtapose that with the perceived clout that you get from saying that you have a, a relationship with a, a company, right? To me, the thing that you want is a relationship with somebody that cares, that you trust, and that can get you what you want. Mm -hmm. Those are the things that, that's the thing that's important. A human being is important, not the gear, right? Just, uh, that's, I'm sorry, that, uh, I have so many thoughts on that, but that encapsulates, that encapsulates it. Um, The snare drum that I have that I use the most is this single ply walnut snare drum. That was actually the shell was bent by a friend of mine that I met in a former life in like an indie band. Mm -hmm. Um, And he went out to Portland, Oregon and learned how to steam bend uh, shells. That's awesome. One ply. I'm sorry? One ply. So it's extremely thin. Well, yeah, and it has re-rings, too, so it has to in order to keep it in, in its round or whatever to keep it Yeah, round. I was like, is that thin? I, I was, I mean, you dropped that wrong. I mean, it's just like... I'd be, afra- I'd be afraid to take that on me for, with a, to a gig. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel about acrylic drums. I do have an acrylic drum set that was a gift. I'll tell you that story another time if you, if you want to hear it. Okay. Um, but this drum is special to me because, like, somebody that I know that I spent hours and hours in, in a band with that we've had conversations and, you know, those clashes and, you know, we've met each other's families and we've had we've been through that stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. He made the thing, um, but he wasn't in his, a place in his life that he could feel like he like he could finish it. So he gave it to Tim Roberts, uh, Timothy Roberts, who owns Reverie, Stack Ring and a whole bunch of other things. Um and he was like, hey, dude, I really want to give this to Jonathan. Uh, can you finish this for me? Like, you know, the hardware and, and all of that stuff. And he was like, yeah. sure. Uh, you know, a couple of months later, I have um, my baby. That's, That's amazing. Awesome. I actually have a, uh, a copper shell that uh, it wasn't – I think he actually ordered it. He didn't, like, roll it himself or anything like that. But he did the patina on it, a buddy mm-hmm. of mine named Justin Neeb. and. Okay. When you said you have that connection, I feel the same way. I feel that connection to my snare because, like, I didn't just like buy it from some store, or I didn't, I didn't, I didn't hit up my Sweetwater rep and be like, "Hey, I, I want to buy this thing." There, there's an emotional connection to it. I just wish that I had that emotional connection to like literally anything else on my, on my kit. Right. All of it's very um, capitalistic, very uh, you know, emotionless. Uh, right, a transactional type of thing. Uh, A and F is in Austin, so whenever I get like twenty thousand dollars to buy a kit, <laughs> I, will, uh, I will have a relationship with a local drum, you know, maker. They sound so good. Real they quick, sound I so good. Say, they I'm, I'm jealous of people like you guys who have found your snare. I still have not found my snare drum. I have yet to find the snare drum that I'm like. This is this is my sound. This is my snare drum. I just I all of my snares have been off the shelf from Guitar Center. Most people have like these are my ten snare drums. They don't have one, um, and and they and they will not hesitate to brag about it. Um, 
but yeah, I, I don't I don't really I, I tried out um, I got my free floating pearl eight by fourteen with the intention of trying a bunch of different shells to answer that question. And the short version is brass. Mm. And that's the only the only way I know that is because I bought literally like five different shells and then I've thought about all the different drums I've played in the past. Uh, Birch Babinga would be a a close second for a wood choice, but uh, but brass just has all the elements that I. So I think it's just trial and error. But then I but then I I, I would recommend reaching out to like a custom person because uh, to to John's point, you know, like you wanna you don't want to buy that out. Like snares are just like I don't know, man. Like you people will disagree, but I feel like that's the most like intimate thing for most of us is is the snare because it can kind of make or great make or break the feel of the kit it right. can, you know it's the, it's the it's the thing i mean you hit it the most i mean you hit right. there more than anything else on your on your kit so uh typically so yeah like maybe with the kick drum riding hats being in a close second which to uh mamet's point everything is hand hammered with mamet like they don't have the, the like facilities that a lot of places have, and it's also a much smaller company. And so I feel like like oh my gosh, Carl, the artist rep with Mamet is. Mm-hmm. I was I think uh, I, I've heard their symbols, but I feel like I I wanted to be a part of him with just how nice and personable and how reachable he is. Like it's just like everything has to be down to that, right? You 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 want to be in relationships with like people that you feel want to talk to you, that you feel that you can talk to, and that you know that there are these two way streets with. So the people part of it is so important. I, I've heard that so many times from, and I think that's come up on this podcast a bunch too. Is that like? Everybody, I think when we were talking about symbols, like everybody makes good symbols. Like, I mean, of course there's going to be outliers. Like CB doesn't make good symbols. Groove percussion doesn't, you know, all that kind of shit. First act symbols aren't going to sound good. Okay, that's fine. Right. But most of the major symbol companies are going to make a good product. So it is more about like, how do I feel about this experience versus yep. like, well, I can't have my XYZ custom crash with the rivets in it so that so i'm just crushed it's like i'd much rather have a relationship with the with the person that i'm working with i mean that's absolutely maybe other people are like well i care more about the product and it's like well maybe 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 you need to re-examine that i agree with you because that's where i'm at with uh like uh i'm an access percussion artist and i uh i really haven't even felt like i want to try another bass drum pedal because i have a really good relationship with this company uh, I so I ha- I don't even have an inkling of a, of a want to try another. I, I have they're great pedals, but I'm not gonna switch anytime soon because mm-hmm. Axis. I've been using Axis for a long time. They work great for me, and mm-hmm. they're right up the street. I can go over there and get my pedal serviced right before I have a gig or a tour or whatever. And they're always super cool dudes. So I'm glad that you. Sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I'll say I'm glad that you framed it that way. I mean, both of you like everybody makes good stuff. Um, and I'm not going to say that, okay, I played a jazz jam this week and some of my students came out and played on my kit. And it's very rare that I get to sit from the other side and hear how good my stuff sounds. Like, (laughs) I'm not, uh, like, I don't want to be bashful about that point. Like, I, I do love what I'm playing, but more in, but, but more important to that is the feelings I have about the people that made it. 
Right. And okay. and if I can be connected to it in that way, because I mean, I've been the the consumerist. I'm just going to pick up a, a Sabian pack that's pre-made for you because here are all the sizes, no. you know, that you don't hit, get a chance to hit beforehand or hear beforehand. I've <laughs> been there. There is a difference. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're, you're definitely solidifying my, my, my choice on my next kit to make it someone that I can shake their hand. I can have a conversation and, and that, and that, I mean, that's the same way with symbols too. Like I don't, I mean, I have bought symbols like, for, but I'll try to do like the, my symbol route. I'll try to do like this exact symbol because that, mm-hmm. that's something that always has puzzled me about people too, is that how do you order something that you haven't played? You know how do you how do you how do you order a pair of shoes without walking in them first and and right. looking at them in the mirror and seeing how they look and stuff like that? So the symbols, uh, you know that they they should sound amazing and you should brag about them in the right. situation, in my opinion. They um so Mamet doesn't have a warehouse on this side of the country. It's only in L.A. So if I have a feeling that I want something, I'll I'll get as many examples of that symbol on the internet. But the warehouse guy will actually find that symbol and play it for me. Oh, sick! Okay, awesome. and then and then like he'll will a b back and forth, and I'll and I'll tell him which one, if any of them, um, I want. And it's been like that with all of them. That's another really great point too, because you can line up four minor, you know, Byzance, Benny Greb, Sand Rides, and you can hate three of them and absolutely kill someone over the fourth one. You know what I mean? Yep. That, that one is absolutely perfect. And that's another thing too. I wish we could go to the factory and have different choices because they're definitely not all created equal right i wish retail locations actually had good selections that's what i wish yeah yeah that point and it's not Not just just entry level crap to try to pawn it on everybody that walks in the store uh guitar center has really upped their game with their minor selection but it's not playable they have that metal vault thing that's always locked that has like a hundred symbols in it, but you can't play any of them. So it's not, and then the you know, ones that have are on the wall on those like wall hangers where you actually can't yeah. play them. I, they, there's few. There's they're mostly like you know, ZBT style lines, entry level or just out there symbols. There's not just like oh a good crash. They're all the lines, but it's like everybody has to be represented in this tiny ass room. You know, they have to represent five different companies and four different lines per company on the wall. And I'm like, all I care about is mine. Also, I, I'm grav- gravitated towards that. So. So being able to play on it is is definitely huge. And And one more thing about having a relationship with a person is that you get an education about the product that you would not get otherwise. Oh, yeah, Uh, because they're the experts. Absolutely. Like uh, with Timothy, he'll talk me through plies, woods, bearing edges, all of these things to not only tell me it's like, okay, because I may say I want X and then I'll describe the sound. Mm -hmm. And he's like, are you sure? Because and then the education starts. Yeah, and I'm like, dude, and then eventually I'm like, okay, I'll describe a sound to you, and you work it out. Yeah, that's perfectly really cool. That's that's awesome. That you have that type of relationship where you can get down to the nitty gritty of exactly what you want, and they're gonna figure it out for you. Yeah, to lug placement, to like again, like to hoops and uh, bearing edges, all of that stuff. He know he now knows what I like, and he knows how I play. So why would I come feeling a certain way, not being the expert, yeah. where like I could undermine like what I actually want, and not and not just trust his judgment, right? Yeah, hundred percent. So, uh, real real quick before we get off of that, are there any other endorsements you have you want to uh, shout out real quick? 
Um, I use Polynome. Um, nice. I, I love I love that app. Uh, it's great. Um, there are other things that I want to talk about that aren't endorsements. Uh, like like reflex practice pads are great. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I also have ProLogic practice pads, which are also great. Um, Black Magic um, is the switcher that I have. They make one for less than three hundred dollars. Don't get a single capture card if you plan on getting doing the multi thing. Like mm-hmm. it's going to bite you. Um, just go ahead and get the switcher. You can grow into it. Um, I don't like GoPros. I know, I know they're utility. I know they're utilitarian. Um, there are just problems with it. There are just like little bugs in them that I've found that don't work for, re- they don't really work for live streaming or this no. type of environment. Right? I can even hook it up as a wet, as a wireless webcam. Like there's that, that's a known issue with like every GoPro. Uh, yeah, mine, my seven has, uh, and apparently it's throughout most of the sevens has an overheating issue. Yep. So if I leave it running while I'm, you know, if I'm just filming myself going through take after take and just letting it run, eventually the camera dies and I don't know what died. Uh, right. A, a quick, <laughs> uh, playing, playing devil's advocate here. If, if you are an up and coming drummer, GoPros are absolutely fantastic to use. If you, if you get a hero nine right now, the battery, the overheating issue has been mitigated. The battery life will last for about six hours. Um, oh wow! I mean, you'll need to you'll need to swap it out. I mean, it will it will overheat before six hours, so you need to like swap it out. But the the most impressive thing on that, to me, in my opinion, is the microphone. Like they don't need to make the microphone. Like if I'm biking or kayaking or skateboarding or whatever, I don't need a high quality microphone. But but as a musician, I listen to the, like just the organic playback. It's very 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 good. Like I use it for all my practice pad videos and stuff like that. For the cost of the camera and the size and all of that. Yeah. They pick up some decent sound. Yeah. Counter counterpoint. Um, I would much rather use an iPhone. I would download filmic pro, which has a log profile. So like, like DaVinci resolve um, is a color grading slash video um, editor that is free. They have a free version, right? So this is not things that anyone can't get into. Buy Filmic Pro for $15, spend $100 on like a Rode Mic Go or something like yeah, that. Yeah, the, the, and, and then like, and the little dongle that goes into your iPhone so you can yeah. bypass the microphone in your iPhone. And I feel like you would have a better rig. That's just my opinion. Counterpoint, I don't use iPhones. Okay. I'm, or I'm or an Android guy. because everything that I just said is apply, uh, applicable to uh, oh, yeah. Androids. Yeah, you, yeah, you could. You could. You could just use your phone, use a detachable microphone. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I, I would say whatever works best for you. Right. Uh, what was the app you like, were talking about again? Filmic Pro. Filmic? Filmic. Yeah, like okay. Film IC Pro. It has stabilizer in it. It has much more range with its um, – with its settings as far as like exposure control and things like that. Again, it has its own log profile, which is, you know, but film editing jargon, but basically it increases the dynamic range and, and flexibility in editing and post. Okay. Awesome. And, and, and also to support your point, a lot of people I've seen on, uh, Instagram, I'll leave comments and be like, Hey, um, what is this, uh, like, what camera are you using and what, what are you using for audio? And they're like, oh, this is just my iPhone. It's nothing else. And they might, they probably went back and edited it or, or did something. But I think the, um, I'm trying to think of who it was. I think it was Stan Bicknell. And I was like, I was like, yo, 
your stuff sounds and looks really good. And he's like, I'm just using my phone. That's it. I'm just using my iPhone. So there, this, typically, I mean, iPhones are going to be better for like a one-stop shop for everything. Like, like, and I've seen it. Ian Masiak does the same thing. Um, you, do you guys know him? Uh, Ian hits drums. Dude, he oh, is like. Oh, wait. Yes, yes, yes. I know that yeah. Oh, the, the guy that does the breakbeat stuff? Yes. Yeah, yeah. iPhone. Yeah. And, and he and so before he started doing multi-track stuff because he hasn't always had that stuff he would just be in his garage and figure out the best placement between the drums and the speaker like a yeah. loudspeaker yeah and that's how he would do it and so he just got so good at listening to the acoustics of the room that he could fool you into thinking that like he had more like actual gear that's there's awesome. another drummer um uh we were gonna have her on but um she didn't want to come on for whatever reason but um she uses uh one room mic okay and i was amazed at as at, at, at that as well like that's so crazy to me like how how good sound you can get from just one microphone or people will use the glenn johns thing where they use like one or two room mics and just a kick drum mic and people will be like oh it sounds so good like the drums sound so natural in the tone it's like that's because they are natural it's it's just right. room mics and I love right. I love hearing drums that sound like fucking drums and not a bunch of you know crossfaded or mixed samples and triggers and stuff like that. 2015, 2016, like those two years, all of that stuff that I did, most of the stuff that I did was with one mic, and it was really interesting because no one believed me. <laughs> like seriously, no one believed me. Um, I would tell them exactly where it was. I'd even take yeah. a picture. Uh, but no one believed me. But you, that's, you get the right no. heads, the right tuning, the right room, the right you know dampening. You get the the right distance for the phone and, away from the and drum. your internal mix with your playing. Like if, if that's it, nothing will tell you how you sound like more than recording with one microphone. Absolutely. And you, you know who blew my mind with that? We we had uh, Timbo from Kino on, and yes, I, I I've you know been watching his page for a while, and then he tells us he only uses one room mic ninety percent of the time, and I was like, wait, what? Yep. That's eight, where you're getting that sound out of a single microphone. He he, yeah. he said he actually experiments with because he's got a really long like hallway type of room, mm -hmm. so he can put a room mic really far away, up high. He can put one down low, whatever. And then it's just whatever the mix needs. If he's yeah. like, oh, the snare's not on the top of the, or the snare's not in the front of the mix, or as close to the front of the mix as I want, so he'll bring a closer room mic in or use a plug-in or something like that. But having those options is is so crazy. And and, and I think Benny Greb posted a video. Because he, he has a drum set in his basement, and then he has a bathroom with like a shower stall, and he put the room mic in the he put the room mic in the shower stall, and he's like guys guys guys, and he isolated the room mic, and it sounded it sounded like a cathedral verb, like room verb, and I was like it's just a fucking shower man, it's like a sh it's like a tile shower that's that's it, and it sounded amazing. So blending. I did something. I did something very similar with uh, Tim from Reverie. Um, we were getting his stuff, stuff together because he knows that I've been doing this. And he was like, Hey man, can you come over and kind of like help me out with this? And I did something very similar attached to his space. There was a bathroom, but I faced it. There was no shower in there. I faced it, um, towards the mirror. Okay. About, yeah, about that far. And the sound that we got was phenomenal. So yeah, that's, and that's, a, that's crazy too. Cause you can put it, uh, you can put it in the shower. You can put it above the shower. You could put it. Behind your toilet, you could put it yep. in by your. You could put it in a closet. Um, right. I, I know a lot of a lot of cats say they they put a, a room mic in the actual hallway. Mm -hmm. Like, dude, in my studio space, if I could just keep the door open and put a mic out in the hallway, it's just like this maze. 
It's like all these little studio rooms, and, and it's all no carpet. It's like just uh, concrete floors. Mm-hmm. The the sound I would get. I mean, I need to try because I mean, I could just do. I could just put my room mic out out there and just do a couple takes or whatever. But that yeah, yeah. great great stuff. I think that's all the questions we had. We got yeah. one more last okay. question. So. I like ask. This is my favorite question to ask. So, what was the moment when you realized you wanted to play drums, or that you realized you were a drummer? Um, I'm going to give you guys the least glamorous way I can put this. I, I saw someone. So, I've been able to play drums basically all my life because I sat next to my dad in church and and watched the drummer, right? Something about just doing that from a young age, you know what you're supposed to do. And I just was always able to mimic at least a basic groove. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but a friend of mine got a drum set and he started getting better than me. That's the real answer. <laughs> I've, t- I've told much more like glamorous stories. Like, um, yes, the drum set did... Um, are, in fact, arrived like on nine eleven, <laughs> like a, around that time. Wow. Um, yes, I did go to his house around that emotional moment and like help him like set his drum set up and the, all of that stuff did happen. But the reason that I took it seriously is because he was improving and I wasn't. Okay, well, I mean, that's not. There's a lot of egos in drums, so there are, there's a lot of egos in being uh, involved in being a musician. The only reason I'm a drummer is because I wanted to be a guitarist and all my friends got better than me. And when we wanted to start a band, I was like, well, I'll play the one instrument that no one else is playing because that makes ah. me uh, by default the best. Fair enough. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, Jonathan, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, I had a blast. Uh, appreciate you taking the time. Thank yes, you guys for having me. This was fun. Great, yeah. I love I love your recording rig. I, I, as soon I, I'm sorry, I was blown away when you switched to the snare. I was like, ah, oh, that, that's all set up. That's nice. Yeah, yeah, it is. It, it's your, your setup is super good. And I've, I've kind of admired you from afar, like for a, quite a while, just for the because you have a balance of your sound and and your aesthetic. And I mean, you take a lot of pride in what you do. And I mean, that that's that's very evident to anybody that has watched Jeez. more than a couple of your videos. Even just talking to you, you can tell. Your craft, yeah. Thank you. Um, Yeah, this is kind of a new thing for me. Um, When I first came into this space, I actually felt like I didn't belong here because all the people that I looked up to were much further along than I am. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm 36 years old, just for a reference. When's your birthday? I'm learning that a lot of that stuff fades away with age and perspective. So, so the older I get and the more I'm still practicing, I'm still learning things, but this is all art. This is all self-expression at some level. Yeah. We're all putting in the work, but this is supposed to be fun. Yeah. Um, and we're supposed to help each other. If we can keep all of those things in mind, then like there doesn't need to be this soul crushing expectational thing. Um, you know, we can talk like this and, and we can learn things that we didn't know before and, and make each other better in a bunch of different ways. So that's sort of where I am now. Oh, yeah. Wait, I'm 36, too. When's your birthday? January. January 5th. Okay, all right. I was like, oh, this is going to be crazy. If uh, there, There's another drummer in Austin that we have the same birthday. Okay. When's your birthday? May 21st. Okay. So you're recently 36. Yes, recently, yes. Cool. So we're not too far off. No. Nah. But yeah, man, I, I really appreciate you coming on, and we'll so uh, we'll much. be following you for your next uh, your next endeavor. And if you ever come to Austin, or if you ever come to uh, Long Beach area, 
uh, for any gigs or, or anything, make sure you hit us up and we'll grab a beer or something. Absolutely. I will probably not be close to Long Beach until whenever NAM happens again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I will be when uh, when NAM comes around this next uh, whenever it does happen again. I will definitely be there. So um, uh, hit me up or I'll hit you up on Instagram or something like that. We'll get together. Cool. I'm looking forward to meeting both of you guys in the flesh at some point. For sure. Alrighty. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank thanks, you. man. Take care. You too. Take it easy.